From KOSU, this is Songwriters and Tour Writers. I'm Matthew Viriapa. On this episode is Sarah Shook. Sarah Shook is a North Carolina country artist. With their band, The Disarmers, they released an album called Night Roamer. The True to its name, Sarah said that they wrote the title track at a graveyard after wandering around in the middle of the night. Besides working on this album, Sarah had been dealing with a lot when the pandemic changed the pace of their life. They had come out as non-binary and had been trying to quit drinking. And Night Roamer was a description of how they felt their life was as a constantly touring musician. In this episode, we talk about the album and them getting sober, and the first time they had actually met a non-binary person. My name is Sarah Shook, and my band is Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. When was the last time uh, you'd been in Oklahoma? Um, I believe we were in Oklahoma in October of last year. I know that uh, I know towards the end of last year we had um, what was the longest run that we'd had since the beginning of the pandemic, and I know we we stopped in Tulsa um, at Mercury Lounge. Yeah, um, people are really getting back on the road now. How's the tour going? Um, it's good. I'm actually, we just had a, a crazy three days um, get flying to Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and playing a show and coming home. So I've got like 48 hours to get ready for uh, like a 20, 22, 23 day long run. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's my house is is a disaster right now. <laughs> well, my- I have no excuse either, and I, I'm not on tour or anything. I'm just at home, and my <laughs> house is a mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must have been a long time before you were able to get out there last year. How has it been kind of getting to play live in front of people again? It's been really interesting. I feel like towards the end of 2021, when we first started sort of dipping our toe back into touring, so to speak, I feel like there was a lot more uh, apprehension and anxiety and uncertainty. Um, I mean, we had a good time, but it was also one of those things where you never really knew what you were walking into as far as, you know, what, not, not just like what venues had, what policies in place, but like some venues had policies in place that just like weren't being enforced. Um, so it was, it was very, to me, it was, it was sort of reminiscent of the wild west, um, that like everything is just an unknown quantity. Um, I feel like at this point I, I'm, um, I know that things aren't back to normal nationally speaking, but as far as touring goes, I feel like things are, um, definitely running a lot smoother and it, it feels like normal touring in the sense that like, it just feels good to be on the road again. It feels like one of those things where. If you look in like the, your rear view mirror, it's like still there, but it's it's the farthest it's been so far, you know, in sight yeah. <laughs> or in memory. Yeah, exactly. You're kind of touring right now off this new album you released, Night Roamer. I take it you're kind of a night owl then? Yeah, I, I always have been. Um, I was homeschooled all the way through and, you know, different parents and families have different ways of homeschooling and different reasons. 
my siblings and I could sleep like as late as we wanted, as long as we, you know, got all of our work done for the day. Um, so I would go to bed at the, you know, bedtime, but I would stay up really late reading under my blankets with the flashlight or uh, writing or drawing or some other creative type thing. I, I heard that you wrote the title track uh, for the album in the middle of the night in an actual graveyard. Yeah, uh, our former drummer Kevin and I were driving the van and trailer out to Denver and the rest of the band was just going to fly into Denver and we were going to have our first show at the high dive there. Um, and one of our stops along the way was uh, Hayes, Kansas. And um, I, I was trying to quit drinking at the time. And um, I had a bottle of whiskey in my backpack in case, like literally in case I started having some kind of like withdrawals or DTs or whatnot. Um, and so we got to the hotel and we got kind of settled in and um, I was really tempted to drink. And I was just like, you know, I, I need to put some some physical distance between myself and this temptation and I went for a walk it it wasn't super late it was probably 11 or 11 30 and I just left the hotel took a left and walked down the main drag that we were on uh until yeah I found a, a cemetery um it was I think it was July I remember it was really hot and um there were a lot of trees in the graveyard and it was pretty it was pretty cool and, and quiet there and uh, sat down and wrote all the lyrics, which is a little bit of a break in procedure for me. I usually have to have my guitar there, um, but wrote all the lyrics. And then I, I uh, was walking back to the hotel to get my guitar from the trailer and sort of start putting the, the chords together with the lyrics. And um, I got pulled over by a cop. Um, on, like I was on foot and a cop pull, <laughs> pulled me over. <laughs> um, and we had, we had like a very tense, I mean, I was sober as a judge, which at that time in my life was pretty unusual. And, uh, this cop, you know, put the lights on, pulled me over and rolled down his window and he asked for my ID. And I was like, no, you know, like you, you're not entitled to just randomly check my ID. And so we sort of had this civilized back and forth of him asking for my ID and me politely saying no. <laughs> and it was very awkward. And then all of a sudden he dropped the, the nice guy act. And uh, he was like, look, there's a runaway. There's a 16 year old runaway that fits your description. So you need to show me your ID. And I said, you show me the APB for the runaway and I'll show you my ID. And then he got really nasty. And I was like, man, I am not trying to go to jail tonight. Like <laughs> I have to, I have a show, like I have a whole tour. I can't just do this. And uh, so I, I showed him my ID and uh, he let me go and I got back to the hotel. And of course I immediately drank a bunch of whiskey. Cause I was like, <laughs> so stressed out. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, yeah, sat, sat by the pool downstairs and got my guitar and, and uh, finished finished the song. It was a very eventful night. <laughs> what did you kind of write the, the song about then? There was a lot going on in my life um, that it, it, it was the first year that I had been single. I was something of a serial monogamist for about 11 years, like over a decade for sure. And, um, you know, I had a, a habit of picking guys that ended up being really insecure and jealous and possessive and 
um, when you're in a relationship with someone like that, it, it really, you, you have to change who you are to sort of appease their um, insecurities. I think that night what happened emotionally was this culmination of sort of longing for a normal-ish life. One of the things that's wonderful about touring is that, you know, almost every night you're you're meeting new wonderful people and having these great experiences and then, you know, the flip side of that is you're saying goodbye to wonderful people every single night. And I can't You just have to maintain this sort of flexibility and be like, okay, well, I'll see you probably in a year whenever we're back around this part of the States or this part of the world or whatever. I think just realizing that I was constantly going to be in this position of having someone to miss. So what was just being at home for an extended period of time like? I mean, it, it was interesting for a lot of reasons. I was somewhat freshly sober. I mean, I got sober in July of 2019. So, you know, less less than half a year later, the world starts shutting down. So being sort of in my recovery infancy, um, I knew that I wasn't going to allow myself to sort of slip back down into um, addiction. And it was just like such a almost boring thing at that point in time, because I'd spent years um, on the road, just like getting blackout drunk every night. And it's like, uh, there's this scene in the first matrix where um, Trinity and switch have Neo in the car. What the hell is this? It's necessary. Neo. He's like kind of struggling and they open the door and they're just like, yeah, you can get out like if you want to, but you know exactly where that goes. Please, Neo, you have to trust me. 
Why? Because you have been down there, Neo. You know that road. You know exactly where it ends. And I know that's not where you want to be. And that's what sort of came to mind around the beginning of the pandemic. It's just going to be like drinking, but without even being in new places with new people. It's just going to be sitting at home drinking. I cannot do that. So uh, once I realized that we were going to be off the road kind of indefinitely, I started therapy and um, I started working on a solo album. And I also started meeting with a psychiatrist to, to pursue an autism diagnosis, um, which ultimately I did not receive. Uh, it was sort of left as you probably have ADHD um, but I would like, she was like, I'd like to do other tests if we were going to like give you an official diagnosis for that. Yeah. It was a very eventful time. <laughs> Yeah, a lot going on. Like, like if there was a time to kind of, I guess, drink to cope, mm -hmm. a global pandemic where millions of people are dying all over the place felt like a justifiable reason. Absolutely. But it, it's it's really awesome that uh, you kind of stayed on uh, the wagon. Thank you. Yeah. Um, anytime I talk about sobriety, I, I like to just make a point to say that I, I really don't think that everybody needs to get sober. Um, it's, it's a, such an individual thing. And I feel like if you're questioning if you should get sober or just try sort of drying out for a while, like that's probably a good sign that you should give it a try and see how it goes. But again, it's not, not for everybody. So does this album just kind of encapsulate a, a lot of what was going on during the last couple of years then? Yeah, I feel like, uh, there was a lot of stuff that happened towards the end of my last relationship, like shortly after the end of that, that I never really had time to deal with because we started touring so relentlessly. And it's interesting because for a couple years, I was a bartender here in this tiny, tiny little bar called The Cave, which is like the oldest bar in Chapel Hill. So I was very much like part of this community of, of artists and service industry people. And then we started touring and it, it's strange. It's like, I don't like, even when I'm home, I don't really feel like connected to anywhere. So 
I'm, I'm working on that. I'm trying to figure out like how to sort of create more intentional community, but I'm, I'm really introverted and um, not very optimistic about most human beings. So <laughs> I have got my work cut out for me. The thing that I was just um, so interested in with this album was it has such a wide array of just different sounds. Like no song really kind of sounds like it's been cut from the same cloth. Yeah. What was in your head as you went in to record? Did you have a certain idea going in on what you wanted? Yeah. So typically um, the disarmers get together and do we basically do our own pre-production. So by the time we get to the studio and are talking with a producer, like we already have the songs pretty much hammered out. Um, and for me, like, I don't really, I don't really write albums. Like for me, like I write songs and um, the song either goes into like, oh, this is definitely a Disarmor song or this is something else. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet, which it might be a rewrite and become a Disarmor song. It's interesting because like it's only been in the last few years that this has sort of been a thing where I'm like, is this like something that we can pull off or not? So essentially the Disarmors were getting together and rehearsing for the next record. And we've been rehearsing on like a pretty pretty steady schedule and the last rehearsal we had before we flew to LA to make the record um, we finished early we were done everybody was in really good spirits um, we were all feeling really good and um, one of the dudes was just like so uh, like do you have anything else like not like not even anything serious like if you just have like another song or two we could blow through just for fun um, and I was like, yeah, definitely. And we ran through been loving you and I got this. And, um, they were just like, yeah, we should, we should definitely put these on the record. <laughs> and I was like, all right, yeah, we can do that. I wasn't sure, but you know, that sounds good to me. the feeling just like oh this might be a song for just myself I guess yeah I I wasn't sure I mean I'd already started putting together demos for what I assumed was gonna be a solo project which eventually you know became a solo project but I mean I've got a, a good number of songs that like haven't been on a Disarmors record and haven't been on a solo record yet so I've got a lot of material to work with and to choose from, um, so that ain't a bad problem to have, as they say.
feels weird to like make this statement of like you are non-binary but uh it is like declaring something that you already know but (laughs) is being non-binary something you try and share with the people who come to listen to your music i mean yes and no like my pronouns are on our social media online and i talk about it sometimes i have people ask me things sometimes that you know, depending on how it's asked, I'll take the time to answer. And then I have other people that, you know, when they ask questions, it's in this very othering way, like, oh, yeah, like, explain to me how blah, 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 where it's just like, they they feel entitled to your time. But I, I think that as a non-binary person in, you know, the sort of world that I operate in, it's important to remember that most people like, especially rural people have never met a non-binary person and they've never met a trans person. And so their only impression of, of that is what they're hearing on the media, what they're seeing on the news. And I just feel like it's important to just be, be a person doing a job. Is that even, I guess, in an experience that you think has made its way into your music? Um, I feel like it's always been there and I've always been pretty playful with my approach to gender in songwriting. And I don't know, I, I feel like certainly early on, I've, I made a point to sing about women because I knew I was going, like if, if I was ever gonna have success in the country music realm, like there's a lot of homophobia. I mean, there's homophobia everywhere. Um, but I wanted it to be like right out the gate, like I'm by, and I've been out since like 2005 and I had like a pretty not fun coming out. And because of the nature of that situation, I was just like, man, I- I'm never going to go through this again. Like I'm out. I'm making no mistakes like the last time. I'm I'm still learning and I think that it's really important um to to be open and honest about that. Like I've only been out as non-binary for a couple years. The first time I met someone that used they them pronouns was like 5 years ago. So it hasn't even been that long and I remember that night it was my my friend Honey, I was working at the cave, I was bartending and they came down and introduced themselves and they said, "Yep, I use they them pronouns." And I said, "What?" And they said, I use they, them pronouns. And I, another customer came in and I went over to, to help them. And my brain was just like, what, what? Like, I had no idea how to respond. I just didn't even, didn't even know anything about it. And so, uh, you know, of course I, I'm really grateful. I ended up being really good friends with them and I learned a lot uh, from them, but five years is not a long time. <laughs> You had a pretty traditional, like, evangelical upbringing. Can you describe kind of what was going on in your childhood and what was kind of expected of you, I guess? Yeah, um, I'm I'm happy to talk about that for a couple of reasons. First of all, just to sort of give folks an idea of, like, where I'm coming from. But also, I think it's really important to talk about this because this 
is still happening like all over the country. This is still reality for a lot of kids. Um, I was raised to believe that I was born a girl. And because I was born a girl, my only reason for existence was to be a wife, a mother, and a housekeeper. Um, I was taught that wives must submit to their husbands. Um, I was taught that women are not supposed to be leaders. Um, I was taught that there are all kinds of jobs that women shouldn't have. There were a lot of things about the way that I was raised that were extremely oppressive. Um, and as someone who knew, like I knew when I was like nine that I was bi. And I'm even, you know, I'm 36 years old as a 36 year old adult. Like I'm still putting together these pieces like, oh, my God, like no wonder I struggled with self-hatred for like all of my early teens. Like I was told that like homosexuality was an abomination that, you know, you know, gay people burn in hell forever. And and so like I had all this anger directed towards myself because it was just like I can't change who I am like I just am I'm you know this is how I was born this is who I am how does that relationship with religion translate into music like with a song called believer for example yeah I mean believer is uh a little sacrilegious there's there's quite a bit on, on night roamer that I feel like to if you're looking for it there's a lot of like sacrilege in there believer is all about having a belief system that is internal and sustainable like it's faith in yourself and faith in your own ability to you know navigate whatever obstacles are coming down the pike It's distressing to like feel like I went through this very traumatizing religious psychological abuse and to get through it and then to like read the news and it's like, oh my God, you people don't quit. It's really important to talk about this stuff because it not only is it still happening, but this particular group of people, for whatever reason, has decided that they're supposed to be infiltrating politics on every level and making their personal religious based beliefs the law of the land for everyone. I have read the Bible cover to cover many times. There is nothing in the Bible that says that followers of Christ are supposed to get into politics and make the law of God or whatever, the law of the country. That passage, those scriptures do not exist.
I will say uh, my, my parents have come a long, long, long way. Um, and our relationship at this point is probably the best that it's ever been. Um, I'm, I'm really thankful for my folks and I'm really proud of them for being willing to question some of the things that they were pretty sure of when I was younger, you know? And it gives me hope. I mean, if my parents can can grow and evolve and learn and change, then I mean, anybody can. Yeah, just um, hearing about how, um, whether you wanted to or not, just reading the Bible a ton, it seems like that language in one way or another made its way onto this album. Like there's a lot of devil imagery, for example. Yeah, I, I feel like that's been common since the beginning of, like in, in my 20s when I first started like playing shows and, and getting a band together. You know, I intentionally called my first band Sarah Shook and the Devil as a as a you know little jab to my parents. And when I told them when I told them the name, you know, they they chuckled and it was <laughs> sort of this rueful, like, yeah, we get it, Sarah, okay. <laughs> actually wrote a song around the time of the BLM protests two years ago. I think it was Talking to Myself. Could you talk a little bit about that? Talking to Myself is definitely a more political song than I usually write. And I don't know, I, I feel like songwriting is an art form. And I, I try to, if I'm trying to say anything, I'm always going to try to, to sort of show and not tell. Like, I don't want to use exact words. When I hear other artists that write songs that that use really political words, like, it just totally turns me off. It's like, you have to find, like, a more creative way to talk about this stuff. That's just my opinion, you know, as as a music consumer. I, I feel like the problem with with putting things like saying things in a political way, like that's not, I don't know, like that just doesn't mesh with my worldview because to me it's like I don't care about the political aspect of this. It's like I want human beings to function better and to be able to listen to someone else with a different experience better yeah so when you you saying like talking to myself about it is that just you trying to say like i shouldn't be alone to allow myself to just kind of sit in this kind of space yeah yeah it's i think that it's also um to a point sort of a 
a commentary on how you know all like social media is supposed to be this like online community it's supposed to be something that brings people from all over the world together uh in a way that that hasn't really existed before but at the end of the day like if you don't have real life relationships with people if you don't have like friendships and um like human beings need that you know social media can serve its purpose there are good things about it it's not all bad but you know when you look at a lot of the science about you know longevity and alzheimers and um quality of life um over and over i feel like studies have pointed to um having healthy relationships with other people is is really good for our brains Our website is disarmers.com and we're on Instagram at Sarah Shook's Disarmers. You'll find those links for Sarah Shook at KOSU.org. There you can also find a list of the songs that were played in this episode. Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU and the service of Oklahoma State University. Editor is Ryan McCroy, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. You can find Songwriters and Tour Writers wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Variapa.